While modifying a factory engine is all well and good up to a point, at some point you're going to find the limitations of the factory block and head castings. Obviously factory engine blocks aren't designed with the intention of making two, three or maybe even four times the factory power and once we start really pushing the limits the design considerations of those factory blocks can really hold us back. Now we're here with David Mountain from Mountune in the UK and we're going to talk about some of the aspects of designing a bespoke motorsport only block. Welcome to High Performance Academy's Tuned In Field Report podcast series. In these special midweek episodes, we look back through our archives to find the best conversations we've had through years worth of attending the best automotive events across the globe. We've pulled the audio from these tech-filled interviews with some of the industry's most well-known figures for you to enjoy as a quick hit of insider knowledge. So David, the, the block we're going to be talking with you about is your design for the World Rally Cross series. So before we get into to the design of that block, where were the limitations in the factory block? Why did you need to go to an aftermarket block? Okay, so yeah, we started off running the the OE uh, block uh, and did all the usual modifications, like you know a new sump with with beefed up main bearing caps and steel nicker seal liners to try and you know help take the pressure uh, cylinder pressures. But basically, you know, very quickly you know, you're into fatigue problems with the block starting to crack and literally fall apart because you're quite right. You know, this this engine was designed to give, you know, 150 horsepower and here we are up at 600. It's quite remarkable they last at all. So you get to this point where you really have to say, well, we really need to do a, uh, a custom uh, block. And as long as the regulations permit, and in this case they do, You've got a, a strict set of regulations in terms of cylinder bore centres, you know, minimums and maximums, weight of the block, bore sizes. You design your new block to suit the regulation. Uh, just coming back as well, I'll just mention the power level because you mentioned 600 horsepower and a lot of our viewers might be thinking, well, that's nothing these yeah. days. We've got streetcars making that yeah. sort of power level. But I think the thing that's really important to understand is that while it might only be 600 horsepower due to an inlet air restrictor, you are running massive power or massive torque, I should say, down at low RPM and that brings in massive cylinder pressure and that's actually the problem? That Yeah, exactly. It's the cylinder pressure that breaks the block. You know, so as I said, you know, we're running high performance diesel type cylinder pressures. Uh, most diesel engines are running, you know, uh, cast iron or CGI material, which is a strengthened cast iron and we're using uh, aluminium or aluminium, depending on what part of the world you come from. I, I stick to aluminium because I'm <laughs> from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. All right, so talking about the, the design aspects, when we're looking at aftermarket blocks here, uh, you've got two options to go down. You can go down the path of casting a block, particularly at very high horsepower levels in the drag racing industry. We're seeing more and more people go to a billet block. So can we start by just talk to getting your take on the, the pros and cons of those two techniques i think a lot of it uh we feel has to do with volume if you're building you know a low volume of engines maybe up to 15 engines and if there's a and also a time constraint that 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 that's a factor but basically we think the minute you're going to make more than about 15 to 20 casting is cheaper in the long run 
I think it's probably also worth mentioning here that even with the massive cylinder pressures you're running at low RPM, you're still not talking about the sort of uh, requirements that the drag guys making perhaps 1,500 to 2,500 horsepower need. So the billet is not essential. No, exactly. It's not, you know, we can get, you know, a well-designed cast uh, aluminium block, you know, with the right material and the right heat treatment is very, very strong. Do you want to take your car knowledge game to the next level? Join us in the next free lesson at hpacademy.com slash free and start developing your own skills today. Now, decades ago, this would have been a fairly elaborate, time-consuming and uh, very labor-intensive process. Here in 2019, we've obviously got the advent of some pretty advanced uh, computer-aided design software to help with this 3D modeling, etc., can you tell us how that's utilised by Mountain? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, if we go back, you know, even just 20 years ago, it, you know, it was a big job, you know, had to have all 2D drawings, uh, sit down with a traditional pattern maker that, that had to look at your drawings and interpret in his mind, inside out, what, what, what that shape was to make the tooling. Now we create a, a solid model uh, of the block, for instance, we email that to Granger and Worrell, who are our partner, um, probably the, you know, the best people in the UK, uh, and they they can now pretty much cut probably fifty percent of the time out, particularly if we go to things like printed cores. All right, so there's a couple of things I want to sort of go back and unpack in there. So first of all, you, you're designing the block here in, in 3D modelling software, SolidWorks, I believe? We use SolidWorks, yeah. And then once you've got that design, and we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about the design elements, but once you've got that completed, you've signed it off, you're happy with it, you can essentially send a file to your foundry, and instead of doing all of the patterns by hand, uh, that can then be com- computer-aided as well? Exactly, yeah, I mean, basically they can CNC... Uh, the tooling now, uh, pretty much straight from our solid model with some software they have, they can machine the tooling. And as I say, if there's a real-time constraint, although it's a little bit more expensive, they can print some of the cores, you know, 3D print some of the cores, which saves time. So I think if you was to say, you know, we've gone from something like would have been maybe a four- or a five-month program to cast a, a cylinder block, and that was doing it quickly, uh, we probably cut that time by about 50%. So a huge difference. Yeah, that, that is a massive difference. And it, I think off camera we were talking, if you do want to do a prototype one-off and it, it really is a time crunch using the 3D printed cores, yeah. what sort of time can they turn around a block for you? I think uh, we could probably get a block done if we really pressed hard in something like four to five weeks. That really is impressive. Now, in terms, again, just to bring back the relevance to the billet block, uh, the the casting, does it give you a lot more freedom in terms of how you design and where you place things like oil galleries, water jackets, et cetera, because of the freedom and access when you're making the, the patterns? Exactly. You know, and with modern casting techniques, we can fairly confidently get down to sort of three millimeter wall thicknesses. So you can sculpture the part really how you would like it. If you're going to billet machine it, there's quite a lot of compromises that you've got. You've got a lot of access plates you've got to have. You've got to get in there. Um, you know, you have a very strong part for sure. But in terms of getting the weight right down, um, you can do some clever stuff with casting. 
So in terms of that as well, let's get back into the, the design. Uh, when you are taking what is a factory block and you're looking at ways to improve the, the strength, the reliability of the block, can you give us maybe the, the main areas you need to focus your attention on? Yeah, well, uh, you know, in our situation where it's predominantly cylinder pressure driven again, you know, it, we, we, t- we touched on having good integrity for the head bolt fixings. Um, you need a structure that's very strong around the main bearings. Uh, you need a, a bore, you know, that's not going to distort too much. It's got good strength. You know, we put the head studs low down or even all the way through the block. So the same stud could have the, the head clamped and the main bearing cap clamped. So it's a very strong sandwich type structure. Let's just dive into that in a little bit more detail. So conventionally we see with, well, there is a lot of variation here. With a lot of OE blocks, we see the head studs or bolts as they are normally in in stock form uh, basically threaded into the top of the block. And that can be problematic, particularly when we we get into a situation of of head clamping. So you're talking about taking the head studs from right down in the bottom of the block or potentially even tying into the main cap. So how does that help the situation? Well, I mean, basically, you know, you end up, if if you're pulling off the top deck, you end up basically trying to pull the top deck off the block and you get, you know, a lot of bore distortion problems as well. So you get, you know, the loads are so high that it starts to crack from the, the bolt bosses is in the top of the deck. You know, a typical production block's got something like eight to 10 millimeters of deck thickness. So, you know, you're very limited. So you're far better off to get the loads going down into the bottom. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, in terms of that deck thickness you just talked about there, is that another area you focus on? Do you, do you increase that deck yes. thickness for rigidity? Yeah, we we uh, again, we work very closely with the head gasket manufacturer. We agree on what we think the clamp loads could be, theoretical at that point, and we definitely thicken up the, the deck. But it's a balancing act because if you thicken it up too much, you then start to have a negative cooling effect. So... You know, we it's based partly on experience and based partly on doing FEA so that we, you know, we know how much thickness do we really need and not to overdo it. For those who aren't aware of that term, FEA, finite elements, stress analysis. So this is, again, one of those areas where computer-aided design really has come to the forefront. So you can actually run your design, your block design, through a stress analysis, and it's going to tell you essentially whether the design is up to the task. Yes, exactly. I mean, we use, we still very use, very much use a lot of experience, but it gives us some some a sort of sanity check, if you like, certain critical areas that we can run through FEA, which which helps us. But at the end of the day, we don't want to add any more weight than we need to, um, but it needs to be just strong enough, but we've also got the cooling issues. So that's why it's a balance of all these things, almost a compromise. Now, the other thing that's worth mentioning here with 3D solid modelling is that you can really design the complete engine all on a computer before any parts are manufactured. And one of the aspects that I find really interesting with this is that uh, you can design your conrod, your crankshaft, put all of the components yeah. into that model and then physically rotate the crankshaft and make sure that you've got perfect clearance. Is that, that Ab- fair to say? Absolutely fair to say. So, you know, we're pretty... Uh, well, very confident that when all the parts come in, and a lot of these parts, as you know, are very long lead items, like a crankshaft, yeah. might be 12 weeks. What we don't 
want to do is find it doesn't rotate. Um, so not only can we check everything's going to fit, but we, we also know the weight of the components. You know, we put the density into the model. We know that crankshaft's going to weigh 12 kilos. So, yeah, it's a big advantage. So you know exactly where you stand before any money spent on actually manufacturing a part. Now, moving up in the block, uh, a lot of modern aluminium blocks these days we see uh, use a nickel saw coating on the bore and run the rings directly, essentially on that nickel saw coating, but there is no sleeve or, or liner. Now, that's not necessarily the best way when you're starting to talk about very high cylinder pressures. How are you coping with that in the World Rallycross engine? Well, on that engine, again, it's all a compromise. You would love to get away with running Nicosil directly on the aluminium because of cooling. Generally, uh, our cylinder centres are fairly close and we don't have enough material to make the parent bore really strong enough for things like Rallycross. So we typically use a steel liner, can be quite thin wall, typically around two, two and a half millimetres with a Nicosil coating actually on the liner or some other form of ceramic coating. Okay, so a couple of things to, to talk about there. So conventionally in the aftermarket, we might be using an aftermarket ductile iron sleeve, much thicker, but with the ductile iron material, we can run the rings directly on that uh, surface once it's been finished and it's honed. But you can't do that with steel, which is why you've got that nickel coating. Can you just talk to us about the uh, requirements there? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the the ductile iron solution is 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 a really good solution, particularly with the piston ring compatibility and the cost. So we like that too. We do use it quite often, and it is very very strong. It's just in extreme cases where you've really you can't run the thickness you'd like to run. That's when we get into the steel, and we have to have this coating for the ring compatibility. And it gets quite tricky because we also tend to run things like titanium nitride coating piston rings um, because you can have problems with the pickup depending on what your ring material is. So you've got all this. But we've got a solution now, the people who do our our uh, Nicosil coating and the coatings we use on our piston rings works real well. Now, with those sleeves, the, there's a lot of problem, particularly in the aftermarket, with aftermarket sleeves and fitting them into the block, which requires a lot of fairly extensive machining. And basically, you're trying to fix a problem with the cylinder uh, strength, but then you create another problem with the sleeves actually dropping. So how, how does Mountune deal with that situation? Is that a problem at your level? It, it It's a problem that we have had over the years, like I think everyone else has, for sure. Um, we tend to run the liners a couple of thou proud from the, uh, from the block face, which gives us two things. Once it puts a little bit more load on the firing, which is a good thing. And what we find after a few rebuilds is that liner just settles down to it could almost be level or just a thou above the block. If we found that if you fit them and grind the block and they're dead level, yeah, you're going to lose a couple of thou, and then you'll start blowing head gaskets. So you need to really start with them a little bit, a little bit of protrusion from the yeah. start. Otherwise, you're going to end up with problems once the engine's actually been run. That's what we find. Absolutely, just just a couple of thou. Look, David, been great to find out a little bit more about the design of the block, certainly how technology has played into improving that, and also, of course, the uh, the debate between cast and uh, billet blocks. So thanks for your time there, David. Okay, thank you very much. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you've chosen to listen to it on. It goes a long way to helping us get the word out there. 
all these conversations and much more are also available in full on our High Performance Academy YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe.